Uh, I have a friend who is a surfer, and he goes out surfing. And uh, when he goes out surfing, that's her. <laughs> that's Nicole. That's my wife. <laughs> uh, some days he'll go out and be like, oh, the waves are amazing. And then other days he'll go out and he'll say there were no waves at all. It was completely flat, so I stayed for like 10, 15 minutes and then grabbed my board and head out. One of the things that my friend never says, one of the things that my friend never says is, well, there were no waves today, so um, what, I'm, what I did is I started splashing really hard in the water to make some waves so I could surf them. The other thing my friend does not say is, well, I was out there with like 10 or 15 other surfers, so what we got together is we got together really close, and we started blowing really hard on the water to make some waves. He never says those things. If there's no waves, there's no waves. And human beings literally have no ability to make waves. We can't do it. There's so many things like this that are outside of our control. One of the things that's outside of our control is the human's ability to make waves. We can't make them. We can't control where they go. Like you cannot make up where a wave is going to go. You can't force your will upon the wave. And what I've found, and what you have all found, is that this is true for our spiritual lives. And here's what Christians have believed throughout history, that we can't make anything happen spiritually apart from God. You can't make anything happen spiritually apart from God. And you can't make yourself grow as a Christian apart from God. You cannot heal somebody in your own power. You cannot see victory in your life in the area that you're trying to see victory in. You can't make somebody become a follower of Jesus. Now, back in the Middle e medieval times, uh, back in the medieval times, they would force people to be Christians, or they would kill you. We don't, we don't do that anymore, right? And even then, they're like, we're, we're taking over your land, and now you're part of us, and all of a sudden, you're a Christian. Uh, that's not how we do that. You can't, in the modern era, nor do you want to, make someone be a follower of Jesus. But here's the good news. God is always at work in the world. He is at work around us all the time. And God is in the business of building and making spiritual waves. He's interested in making spiritual waves in your life and the people around you and in this church. When I look around this room, I know every single person here. And, you know, I mean, as a person, and if you've helped been here from the beginning, there's this temptation coming out of COVID. And I know it feels like forever ago, but it's still a reality for us, that we are dealing now with the ramifications of COVID. And the temptation for the leadership in this church and the temptation that I feel is like, well, we just need to kind of do some things and get the thing, where the thing, and thing. And, and the temptation is to try to splash around in the water and make something happen for this church. Like I know some of you approach me with your great ideas and some of them are really good. Some of them are as almost good as the ones that are really good. And, uh, <laughs> and what, what are you doing there? You're trying your best. You want, you, want to, you want to be a part of a church that works. 
that has an impact in the community that where you show up on Sundays or you show up to community groups or you show up and, and that you feel like you're riding the wave of what God is doing. And I feel that way too. I mean, the team and I, we've been at this for almost five years trying to figure this out. I think we had, I think we had a lock on it. It was bumping and then March happened and then you know, March 2020 happened. And then you're like, well, what is going on in the world? What, what is this? How do we make sense of all this? And I think the temptation really is, is that we could try to make waves here. And I got to say, as one of the leaders of this church, we're committed to not making waves because we can't. We're committed to wait on God for his power and his presence. And when we sense what God is up to and what he's doing, we're going to join him in that. The problem is, is in the last 12 to 24 months, the entire Christian world has been turned upside down. It's difficult to see what God's doing. And it's difficult to understand the waves because the patterns have changed. That's just a freebie that wasn't in my notes. And so what I want to talk about today is like, how do we learn to ride the wave of what God's doing? The answer's pretty simple. We have to learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We leak. But we have to, <laughs> we leak. <laughs> Old-fashioned Meekins. <laughs> Some of us leak more than others. <laughs> and when it comes to spiritual leakiness, you just, we constantly need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We constantly need to be recognizing that God's doing something in us. And when God's doing, God is the one doing something in us, then he gives us eyes to see what he's doing around us. I mean, collectively, that's what we're going to try to do in this church for the next few years. But like, you can also do this on your own as an individual. So I want to talk about that. Um, so I need to prove my point. And so in order to do that, I'm going to use some scripture. So in Acts, that's a book in the Bible. In Acts, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's giving them final instructions. Final instructions before something happens. And this is what he says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so after, from, after this statement from Jesus, Jesus returns to heaven. He's like, you'll have all the power. And then he's like gone, right? It's an amazing scene. Like I would have loved to see that scene where Jesus, it says he ascended into heaven in front of their eyes and the disciples stood there and looked at the sky and they like, I, I've never seen someone levitate um, uh, other than David Blaine, uh, <laughs> which I think he's using some trickery. So he, he goes, he's like, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit, poof, gone. And then the disciples get active and they start doing all this stuff. No, they go and they hang out for 40 days. They do nothing. For 40 days, until one day, without a major announcement, they're all hanging out in a room together, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. 
and everything changes instantly. All of a sudden, they can start, they walk outside and they start speaking in different languages. And not, not the kind of tongues like the prayer language tongues. They're actually speaking in languages of the people that were visiting in that city. They knew the native tongue. They were speaking in the right dialect, in the right tone, without an accent. And they were speaking to people and they're like, this is unreal. They're speaking in different languages. And then they go around and then there's sick people on the street because they didn't really do well with hospitals. Then they would just kind of hang around um, on the street and they would go and update people and they would lay hands on them and they would get healed. Like chronic illnesses. They would start, they would start healing people. And they started walking into situations with their bosses, with their coworkers, with their neighbors, and they started demonstrating a certain kind of confidence and a certain kind of boldness that they didn't have before. And they started sharing about Jesus and his resurrection as if it was actually something real. And for some reason, and we all know the reason, the people who were sitting there listening to like these old fishermen these former fishermen, they go, that's a good idea. I'm going to sign up for that. And they give their lives to Jesus. And the church was born. Thousands of people come into life with Jesus. Because some fishermen were like, Holy Spirit's with us now. I'm going to be bold and go tell these people what happened. And here's, here's, here's the catch. The message didn't change. They knew the message. They knew that like 40 days earlier. What's going to happen, Jesus? Uh, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. Peace. Nothing with them. They're like, okay, well, okay, back to normal. They, nothing had changed there. The disciples didn't change. They didn't go through some leadership training. They didn't do Six Sigma. And they're like, okay, we're going to get organized here. They didn't read Good to Great by Jim Collins. Both great resources I'm aware of. They didn't do any of that. The only thing that changed, and I mean the only thing that changed, was that the disciples were now empowered by God's Holy Spirit. They didn't earn it either. These guys weren't that great. The four Gospels that tell the story of the life of Jesus, they demonstrate clearly that the disciples are average or below average people. And some of them were fishermen. Some of them were really bad IRS guys. Some of them were zealots. They would go into crowded rooms or areas and they would stab people. <laughs> like they were bad guys. And they would put these like zealots in the same room as tax collectors who wanted to kill each other. And they said, get along. That's the kind of people Jesus was working with here. These were below average or average kinds of people. And they didn't earn it. They weren't trying to figure it out on their own. They weren't being good religious people on their own. They were now riding the wave of what God was doing in the world. And so then if you, take a, if you read Acts, you fast forward a few chapters. In chapter 4, we see that Peter is interacting with the religious leaders and here's what they say about the disciples. Here's what people are starting to say about the disciples. They say, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
obviously we love this because it's cool because when you're around Jesus and you spend time with Jesus, Jesus rubs off on you. They took note that these men had been with Jesus, but you don't miss the bigger point here. The people, the people thought that Peter and John were extremely confident and bold because they had spent time with Jesus. They're missing the bigger point because the reason the reason these men had courage was because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the same courage before the Holy Spirit got to them. They had it after. Yeah, they had been with Jesus. They understand his ways and all this stuff. But the courage came from the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a personal question. Are you a self-empowered follower? Or are you a spirit-filled follower? Are you trying to follow Jesus on your own? If the disciples were here on earth and they had lived with Jesus for three years, if they figured out and documented that they couldn't be Christians on their own and self-empowered on their own, I hate to break it to you. You have no chance. You have no chance of figuring out and navigating the Christian life. If you want to take the Christian life seriously, which I do and I think you do too. If you want to take it seriously, you have no shot. Because you're like 2,000 years out and the disciples were with him and they weren't even that good for 40 days in between when Jesus was on earth. He's like, don't worry about it. And then they get the Holy Spirit. All that stuff, all that comes into play. you got no shot. You have no shot of being a self-empowered follower and having it work out the way that you want. Now, we're not talking about salvation here or hell or things like that. What we're talking about is you signed up to follow a guy that died and came back to life. This is how you tap into the power. Why, you know, this isn't just about where you go when you die. This is about how do you want to live right now? And the problem is this. Followers may have received the Holy Spirit but sometimes followers aren't being filled with the Holy Spirit. The next sentence is really directed to me, but I'll give it to you as well. Did you, did you know that you can resist being filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you know that you can resist that? You know that you can be like, ah. And the Holy Spirit is so kind. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. And he's respectful in many ways. Unlike people or ideologies or politics or other religions, the Holy Spirit will never force himself upon you if you don't want him there. He will respect your wishes. If you don't want him helping you to operate your Christian life, he won't, he won't be there for you. He won't, he won't step in. He'll never leave you or forsake you. We know all that. Don't get into a theological thing with me. But you can resist the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life if you, want, if you don't want it there. Or you can at least dampen the mood. Now, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to get your attention. But you can resist him. You can choose to not ride the wave of what God is doing. You don't have to get out on the board. You can play in the shallow end. You can like, or you can do the thing where... 
You sit in the float in the pool and you bounce like this very gently and over time you're going to just make some tiny waves in a tiny little pool. You can do that in your relationship with God. You're free to find alternative ways of seeking spirituality, but it won't be filled or it won't work like the power of the Holy Spirit. And just as a plug, I think that you here in this room have the edge. There are so many people who are trying to do self-empowered spirituality apart from Christianity. There's so many people trying to figure out spiritual lives. And I know we live in a very secular society, but there is a spiritual tone in our city. Can you feel it? Can't you feel it? Let's go down to Venice because crystal sales are up. Let's go to SoulCycle and get a pseudo spiritual experience for $30, $32 if you need shoes. Millions of people are looking for an experience that will shape them, that will actually be powerful, that will change them. You know, a lot of people think that the church is going the way of online only. And they're going to only just, why don't we just meet online? And we'll just have our little screens and then we'll go back. We just can watch church in our jammies. But I don't believe that. You know why? Because as long as there's music festivals, there's something about people being in a room together that's powerful. See what I'm saying here? And so when you think about music festivals, why are people showing up to these music festivals? Why do you think in our state there's thousands of people heading out to the desert to go to Burning Man every year? What are they looking for? What, are they, what do you think people are doing out in the desert when they go to Burning Man, besides drugs? <laughs> maybe they don't have, maybe they don't, you have to barter for the drugs, right? Yes. What are they doing out there? I watched a documentary on it. You can't buy anything. You have to barter. Yikes. Yes, it's a barter. It's like a utopia in the desert. Send you the, why don't we go as a church? Anyway, we'll, we're not going. Uh, we do, I do know a I do, know, I do know a pastor that went out there. That was like his mission thing. And like he'd bring a, bring, they would do drum circles and just really get to know the people. That church doesn't meet anymore. <laughs> he wrote a book about it instead. <laughs> uh, if there were new people here, I wouldn't have done any of this. Uh, yes, I would have. So we're on the desert. Where was I? The desert. We're on the desert. They're pounding drums. They're burning stuff. They're definitely sleeping around. Like, that's part of the scene. That's part of the action. But why? Why are they doing all that? They're looking for some kind of experience. They're looking to connect with something that's bigger than themselves. They're looking for some sort of spiritual breakthrough. People want to feel something. They want to know something in their knower that something is happening beyond them. And so you're looking at these music festivals, you're looking at interesting ways in yoga poses, you're taking, there are people who are doing ayahuasca journeys, they're, and these are just like the, the kind of wild LA folks. I mean, there is just all these different shades of people seeking meaning and power in the spiritual. And here's the deal. What Angelinos, and frankly, every human being on earth is actually looking for in the deepest part of their soul they are looking for their creator. 
They're looking to connect with their creator. And they're looking for a spiritual experience that can only come from God himself. And let me just say that that God has come to us in the form of Jesus. And then Jesus, his last thing is, you will receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come on you and will guide you and lead you. And then we have written evidence that that actually happened and it continues on today. You are not just some little Christian in 2023. You are standing on the shoulders of giants and you are a part of a long spiritual tradition that spans since the beginning of time. And you have access to the same Holy Spirit that they had right now. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Yeah, some of the time I believe that. Some of the time I don't. But let me just say, here's a plug for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put in a good word for the Holy Spirit today. Um... The, whole, the Spirit of God is the most inclusive being ever. And when I think about empowerment, I think about the city, there's so many lines, there's so many rules, there's so many dichotomies, there's so many ideologies, there's so many people trying to keep other people and they're trying to keep it pure. But what we see in the Spirit of God is that he is the most inclusive being ever. And God welcomes everyone to have access to his Spirit, regardless of race or gender or nationality. Everybody is welcome. Like, think about the spiritual hierarchies of certain organizations. And then just know that the God that you follow has democratized access to himself. If you feel not special today, it's okay because the Holy Spirit is with you just the same as he was with Peter and Paul and John and all the, the apostles. He is with you in the same way. You don't have to be special. In Acts chapter 2, we see that Peter, when he's speaking uh, to a group of people, he quotes uh, the prophet Joel, um, and he lists a bunch of things that the Spirit is. And one of the things we know is that the Spirit is not racist. You know what this means? That the gift of the Holy Spirit is not racist? When I look at our history as a country, we have a terrible record with racism. First of all, there was slavery. Uh, we have a terrible record with slavery, but even after the fall of slavery, there's a rise of lynchings and hangings and shootings and separating people, separate but equal kind of nonsense and all that. Sometimes we read stories of people that were buried alive just because they were black or like Asian. It's terrible. And this all happened in the United States. But what we also see in the United States, we also see revivals. Revivals that were led by people that were not white. Um, for instance, the Azusa Street Revival. This was in the early 1900s. That was, uh, that was led under the leadership of a black man named William Seymour. Thousands of people all over the world traveled to Azusa to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. People were healed. 
People were changed. People were freed. People were freed from addictions. And people went out to proclaim the reality of the good news, not because someone told them they need to share their faith more, but because they felt the living God inside of them like come out and they couldn't do anything but share but share God with people and so the people that were included were rich and poor and black and white and Asian and immigrants and Latino they all came to experience the power of the Holy Spirit they encountered God's Holy Spirit and there was a historian who covered the Azusa Street Revival um, and he wrote about it and his name was Frank Bartleman and I love this quote from Frank I think we have it. It says, the, and this is in reference to the Azusa Street Revival. He said, the color line is washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is during a very racist period in our country. You see, the power of the Spirit has the power to do anything, but it has the power to wash away the racism that's possible. We also see that the Spirit of God is not sexist. Whenever we see the Spirit of God poured out, whenever we see it poured out among people who are willing to welcome Him, you will find women. And you will find women who are being set free and free and empowered to do what God intends individual women to do and to be. And this should be encouraging. Here's a fun fact for you. Fawn Parrish, she's a researcher of women's ministries in the modern day. She wrote this. I have another quote for you. It's two-thirds of pastors in the unregistered church in China are women. A majority of effective missions in North Africa is being conducted by single young women. Historically, young women missionaries have courageously braved death, spoken hard truths, been the recipients of hard criticism, and have many sheaths of harvest to lay at the feet of Jesus. So wherever the Spirit of God is, we see men and women working together to invite God's power and His presence. We also see that the Spirit of God is not ageist, and also we see that the Spirit of God is not elitist. It's not elitist. And we look in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God is poured out on both male and female servants and slaves. The Spirit of God is not just reserved for the wealthy. The Spirit of God is not just reserved for the 1%. In fact, throughout the entire Bible, we see it is the heart of God to lean towards the least and the last and the lost. And so you and me, regardless of your social standing, regardless of your gender, regardless of your, the color of your skin, we are in good company because the Spirit of God has been democratized and is available to anybody who just chooses not to resist Him. He's open to you. So what do we do about this? I'm going to talk about what to do about it, and then we're going to get out of here. Craig Keener writes really good books. Um, what's interesting about Craig is that uh, he... Uh, you know how the book of Acts like documents all the miracles and things that were happening? Craig was like, oh, who's documenting all the miracles the same way that Luke, the, uh, Luke, the writer of Luke, uh, documented? So he would go around the world for years doing research and documenting, okay, like a, like a scientist or like an attorney, and he would like get all the facts. He was like an investigator. He would try to figure out, 
you try to figure out, like, did this actually happen or are these people just making it up? And so, like, he would find himself in situations where, like, oh, yeah, go talk to that girl. She was dead. Uh, and then she came back to life. And they would do investigations, and he would use eyewitnesses to demonstrate that the power of the Spirit is still operating in the two-thirds world. And it's operating in the two-thirds world for some reason more than it's operating in the United States. I think that has something to do with our belief in it, our resistance to it. Uh, but he went around and he documented all this. And so one of the statements that comes out of his book is this. It says, imagine visiting a town that has no lights, no television, no alarm clocks, no radios, no air conditioning, no refrigerators, and then imagine learning that the town's power supply is virtually infinite. But no one in the town had thought to plug in any of the electric appliances. Wouldn't that town seem silly? Sadly, this is the way things have been operating in many lives of Americans who call themselves Christians, and in many contexts, in the American Christian church. And it's no surprise that the fastest growing segments of American churches are those that acknowledge and welcome the power of the Holy Spirit. And those that say, oh no, that's just reserved for something at a different time, aren't doing so well. And, but I guess the thing I wanna say here is that it's starting to change here in the United States. We're a little bit behind, but it's starting to change. In much of the American church, the reality is that we are offered an infinite supply of power from the Holy Spirit, but most of the church is not plugged in. So my question to you is, we are the church. Are you plugged in? All I can do as the leader and equipper of this church is to say, are you plugged in? I can't plug you in. I can't make you believe that this is possible. I can only provide the evidence today. It's not like a church just gets plugged in. We corporately plugged in. It's individuals who choose to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we come together and we go, wow, something's happening here. If I was to describe what I think is happening in the American church post-COVID, it's this, that we are not plugged into the way, we're not paying attention to the way that God is trying to build in our own lives. Therefore, when we come together, we don't understand the waves that God's building in our country as a church. And frankly, the Christian faith is dry, it's boring, it's dutiful until we choose to plug in to the Holy Spirit. It only becomes exciting when you and I plug in. So what do you think? Do you think that you're plugged in? Do you think that you're connected? Do you think that you've exceeded the maximum allowable Holy Spirit in your life? Back to my introduction about waves. The fact is, is that there is a wave. There is a wave building in our country. There's a wave building in our world. And that wave is being driven and led by the Holy Spirit. So where we leave this is that you have a choice. I have a choice. We have a choice. We can ride the wave and we can say, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want to surrender more of my life to you. 
Jesus, I'm going to make you available to the activity in my home, in my relationships, in my family, in the people I go to happy hour with. I don't, I, I mean, and I, I just don't want to stand on the side of the beach and just wave to all the people having fun on the waves. I don't, I'm going to stop believing that it's made for just a select few. I just don't want to watch what other people are doing. I want to watch what you're doing and I want to join you in your work. God, show me today. Show me how to paddle out. Show me how to paddle out on the water. Will you do that? Would you be willing to ask God? I'm not saying you have to move to a foreign country and get martyred for Jesus. I'm just asking, would you be willing to pray and say, God, show me how you want me to paddle out? All of us, when we choose to welcome the Spirit, when we invite Him to fill us, fill us this is when we have better stories. You're going to have a better life. Some of you are bored. This is a cure to your boredom. Start keeping in step with the Spirit. He will keep you on your toes for the rest of your life. We are kind of living a boring life in Ohio. Following the Spirit some of the time has led to some amazing adventures in our life. I'm not trying to make myself the hero of the story. Don't you hate when the speaker makes themselves the hero of the story? I'm just saying the Spirit of God has led us to more adventures and better stories. If you're bored, this is the cure for your boredom. Keep in step with His Spirit. It will change you. Uh, He will change you. The process of that will change you. The power of the Spirit will also lead you to healthier relationships. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, I forgave my mom. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, I got my body back into a healthy place. You can say things like that. You can say things like, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I was was able to quit smoking. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I forgave my ex-husband. We were able to adopt a girl from Haiti. We were, I've been sober for two years now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I am sober. I'm no longer addicted to gambling. Uh, by the way, I'm listing out things that could be true for you. These are not my list of laundry list of things. So, <laughs> dude, he's been rough the past few years. <laughs> he's gambling and <laughs> smoking. Oh, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, you can manage your finances. You can get your debt under control. You can start to save for your spirit, your, your future. By God's Holy Spirit, if you struggle with an eating disorder, you can overcome your eating disorders. By God's Holy Spirit, if you are a single mom or you know a single mom, that single mom can be complete and total in Christ Jesus and be given all the power and strength to live out a healthy life for her and her children. She can do that. She can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is possible. By God's Holy Spirit, your marriage can be saved. By God's Holy Spirit, you can repair a broken marriage. By God's Holy Spirit, you can conceive and have a child if you've been unable to. By God's Holy Spirit, a prodigal son or daughter can return into life with Jesus. By God's Holy Spirit, terminal illness can be pushed out and prolonged and pushed out into the future. These are what I've quoted. All these things I just said, 
These are all things Nikki and I have observed from people in this church, in our family of churches called the Vineyard, and things that we've, we've, we, we know people that have experienced all of these things. So what I'm saying to you is that this is real. This is real. The question is, will you ride the wave? Will you welcome God's Holy Spirit? Why don't we stand? Here's what I believe. In order to be filled by the Holy Spirit, you don't need to do anything except receive. And this is a great Sunday to try this. Because I believe in a single moment, in a single moment, God can speak to you. He can lead you. He can empower you. He can do whatever he wants. And so we're going to give him space to just do that. I'm going to wait. And you're going to wait. And... Um, Think of yourselves as the, the apostles in the room waiting. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get really spiritual thoughts right now. You actually don't need to just sit here and confess all your sins, if you have any. You just need to allow God to be God right now. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall in this room. We welcome your Holy Spirit. Come fill us right now.